things I love most about Christmas is just the beauty of that stillness. Did you feel that? Just in the midst of all of the hustle and bustle we'll do. Even tonight, some of us, how many still shopping? How many still shopping? Let's be honest. No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But just to pause and ask, who, who is this child? Why do we do all this that we do? Or as the song puts it, what child is this? And that's the question I want to reflect on with you this afternoon before we go and eat way too many calories that we don't need, and it'll be loads of fun. But let's pause and stick with that question. Now, to get started, I thought it might be fun, and kids, I'm going to need a little more help from you on this one. I thought we might do a what child is this quiz. Uh, and so I've got some of the most famous babies of our era, and see, see if you recognize any of these babies. So here's the first one. Anybody recognize this baby? <laughs> Who is that? Who is that, kids? Jack-Jack. That is baby Jack-Jack. Y'all are incredible. That was great. All right, number two. Number two. See if you get this one. That was good, wasn't it? All right, number two. Boss Baby. You knew that one. Boss Baby. That's one of, one of the, just rocking the internet right now. All right, we're going to take it back a little bit. This is going back to the 90s. Children of the 90s. How many recognize this one? Simba. Simba, right? Okay, Simba. We got that one. Uh, now, this one's really challenging. This one's for the older kids in the room. Anyone recognize this? Come on, adults. Who is that? Pebbles. Pebbles. Yes, yes. Go Boomers. You guys got that one. That was great. All right, uh, but this, this next one, I mean, the older folks, we didn't get those. Sort of, I expect everyone to get this one. You ready? We should all know this one. Here it is. A little bit of music to help. This is my Christmas gift to you right here. Here it is, ready? Okay, cut, 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 cut. I, at the risk, that's Baby Shark. At the risk of ruining Christmas for you, we're gonna cut it right there. Some of y'all are gonna be going to bed tonight. You're gonna hear that in your head and say, curse that Pastor Aaron. All right, so. But that was so 2015, wasn't it? Baby Shark, so 2015. You know who the most famous baby of 2019 is? Any guesses? Any guesses? Here's the most famous baby. Baby Yoda, y'all! Baby Yoda! My childhood is complete. I can die in peace. I, I was just, I feel like my life is, is, is like fine, full circle. Baby Yoda, come on. Well, if you haven't seen Baby Yoda in The Mandalorian, I commend it to you highly. We are uh, huge fans of the Baby Yoda at the Gibson House. Uh, and, but, you know, I was thinking about children uh, because every parent wants his or her child to grow up to be great, Right? We all want our children to grow up, to be great, and to do great things. And in fact, there was one child uh, who was born a little over 2,000 years ago who did just that. Any guesses who that might be? That's right. Well, close. That's right. It was Herod. Herod. Really? Don't you know? Herod the king. King Herod? Or as historians call him, Herod the Great. Such was the greatness of King Herod. Uh, king Herod built great buildings. He did. He amassed great wealth. He had a great number of wives. And he also did some other great things in his area. He had great power, right? He even made his way into the Bible story. But there was another baby that Luke, the gospel writer, tells us about that would also be called great. And when Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the shepherds would all come, even Herod would come and ask, who is this child? What child is this? It would be the words of the angel 
that, she, that were spoken to Mary that would give the answer. This is from Luke chapter 2. Listen to the words that the angel spoke to her on the night she found out she would have this son. The angel says, and behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him, kids, Jesus. And he will be great and will be called son of the most high. So the question I want to ask tonight is, what is it about this child that is so great? Or to put differently, in what way does this child grow up to be great? Well, a lot of people in our world will grow up and do great things. In fact, many of you will grow up and do great things. But no person in the history of the world has ever had as great an impact as this baby Jesus. One Yale historian describes his impact this way. He says, regardless what anyone may personally think or believe about him, Jesus of Nazareth has been the dominant figure in the history of Western culture for almost 20 centuries. If it were possible with some sort of super magnet to pull out of history every scrap of metal bearing at least a trace of his name, how much would be left? How much indeed? And so what I want to do with our time today is just look at a few ways that this child was great. A few ways that this child is great. And the first one is this. When this child would grow up, he would be known as a great teacher. A great teacher. Uh, Jesus, you might not know this, he grew up in a rural small town. He worked with his hands in his father's small business. Uh, and one time when Jesus was 12, he, he made his way into the temple courtyards uh, where the religious leaders sat in dialogue and debate. And Jesus sat there as a 12-year-old asking questions, debating with these religious leaders, and they marveled at his insight. In fact, the Bible tells us that they asked, where did this kid get his wisdom? Jesus would grow up and, and he would begin his public ministry and he would be known as this great teacher and many would flock to hear him speak. And the folks who heard him speak described his teaching this way. They said the crowds were amazed at his teaching. He taught as no one they had ever heard before. Now you might not be a Bible person, you might not be a church person or a Jesus person, but you probably know about some of the teachings of Jesus. In fact, let me, let me test you on this. See if, see if you can complete these sentences from Jesus, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Okay, you know that one. How about this one? A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Uh, whoever is without sin, let them cast the first. Okay, real tough one here. Take my hand and we'll make it, I swear. Oh, oh, living on a... Okay, sorry. That's not... That's Bon Jovi. That's Bon Jovi, just for the record. But... But you get the idea, right? Even if you don't know that you know, you actually know because Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus' teaching was so remarkable, in fact, that it shaped the community of his followers. They took his teaching so seriously and tried to live it out so radically that it is Christians, followers of Jesus, who were leading on the forefront of many of the major movements of good in human history. Let me give you a couple, just for instance. Jesus taught that, he said, let the little children come unto me. Did you know that in the ancient world, children were considered personas, non gratis? These are kids did not exist in the eyes of the ancient world, but Jesus gave them dignity. And so it was Christians 
who founded the first orphanages. It was Christians who would go on to be advocates for public education so that every child, regardless of skin color, wealth, or social status, could learn to read. Such was the impact of Jesus' teaching. Jesus taught about the dignity of every human being, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. And those who took his teaching seriously led on the forefronts of, of, of fighting for child labor laws, women's suffrage, civil rights, abolition. Christians had been doing good in the name of Jesus for centuries. Now, of course, not everything that has been done in Jesus' name has been for good. But for those who would listen carefully his, to his teaching and live it out, the result has been some of the greatest good our world has ever seen. Jesus was a great teacher. But not just that. Jesus was also a person of great power. One of my favorite stories uh, where Jesus' power is put on display is in Mark's gospel. Mark is another one of the four people, like Luke, who wrote an account of Jesus' life. In Mark's gospel, Jesus is out on the lake, and uh, he's out there with some buddies, and I guess they forgot to check the radar app on their iPhones because a storm comes out of nowhere, right? And they are freaking out. They don't have life vests. They forgot their water wings. They don't know how to swim. They are sure they're going to drown. And so they wake Jesus up. They say, Jesus, and this is the question they ask, Jesus, can you do something? It's kind of an interesting question. Can you? Jesus, are you able? So Jesus gets up and he comes to them and, and in almost this kind of stoic, kind of still way, he, he doesn't address them. He looks at the wind and the waves and he says, quiet, be still. And the storm stops. I mean, kids, can you imagine the next time you're scared because of the lightning and the thunder and the storm outside? Can you imagine if you went to your window and you opened the window and you called out and said, storm, knock it off, and the storm actually stopped? Can you imagine I mean, not even Elsa from Frozen can calm the swirling storm inside. She tried to keep it in. Heaven knows she tried. You see, no human being has power like that. What kind of person, what kind of being can stop a storm? Only God can. Only God, only Jesus had that kind of power. I wonder, just pause it for a reflection moment. I wonder, if, if we're honest, some of us are facing storms in our lives this Christmas. And what if, what if Jesus could meet us in the midst of our grief, our anxiety, our fear, or our uncertainty about the future? What if Jesus could meet you in the midst of that and speak calm, quiet, and peace in the midst of your storm? Jesus had great, great power. But unlike most people in our world who have that kind of power, Jesus did not see his power as something to be used for himself, for his own advancement, or for his own protection. But Jesus gave away his power for the benefit of others, which leads to the third thing that I think we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus was also a great, great healer. In fact, if you ever decide to read the Bible on your own, and I hope you will sometime, maybe pick up one of the gospel accounts of Jesus' life. One of the things you'll notice right on the very first page is the kind of compassion that Jesus had for hurting and broken people. Jesus was drawn to them, and they were drawn to him. The kinds of people that flocked to him were those, the lonely, the overlooked, the outcast. They found safety, they found compassion and healing in Jesus. 
In fact, one time Jesus was on his way to visit the mayor of an important port town and he pulled into the dock and, and the people were there to greet him and the crowds and Jesus began making their way up to this man's house because, well, the dignitaries and business owners were also drawn to Jesus. But on the way there, there was a woman who had lived in this village who had all but been forgotten. She'd been bleeding for 12 years and tried everything she could to heal it. And she heard about this Jesus, this man of healing power that had come to her village. And she thinks, maybe this is my chance. Maybe, just maybe, if I can break through the crowd and touch him, maybe his power can change my life too. And so she does that. She sneaks up behind the crowd, somehow makes her way through and reaches out and manages to touch just the edge of his coat. And the Bible tells us the most amazing thing happened in that moment. It says that power went out from Jesus. Healing power, restoring power, grace-giving power. And her life was changed forever. You see, Jesus had a way of seeing those that others did not. Jesus had a way of caring for those that others had forgotten. And he's still bringing that kind of healing power to our lives today. In fact, just this last week, I heard a story about some ministry partners, a couple from our church here. And it was just a remarkable story of God's healing power. Uh, this couple had uh, been connected to a, a family that we've been serving. Uh, this family was on hard times. They had been in a homeless shelter and had recently been placed into their own single bedroom apartment. Had two kids and they were expecting another. Uh, but the mom had said, you know, we don't really have any resources to provide Christmas for, uh, for our kids. Could you guys help? And so this couple said, we'd love to help. And so they and some others uh, in their workplace gathered gifts and presents and and planned to bring them down on Thursday. Unfortunately, they were delayed and had to go during their lunch break on Friday. But God seemed to be at work in the midst of that. When they showed up on Friday, uh, the father answered the door and said, you know, now's not a good time. Uh, we're expecting the baby and we're waiting for a ride to the hospital. So the couple said, well, can we leave the presents on the front porch? And he said, sure. So he and, and the, uh, the man from our church went to start getting the presents and bringing them up onto the porch. And the woman from our church was standing there when the daughter came to the door and said, help, help. Can you help my mommy? She opened the door and the mom was there in the hallway and the baby was crowning. It had been time for the baby to come. And so even though this couple had shown up thinking they were going to be delivering presents, they realized they would be delivering a child. And so right then and there, they assisted the mom and delivered the baby. Well, the story, uh, if that wasn't enough of a Christmas miracle, the story goes on. The baby was born, and uh, it was a little scary because the baby was not breathing. So the mom and, uh, well, excuse me, the couple from our church sat there and, and prayed, called 911. And uh, when the 911 dispatcher said, you need to do CPR, the couple uh, did just that, clearing the airway. Uh, beginning chest compressions, and then instructed the young father in his fear how to give mouth to mouth. And about 30 or 60 seconds later, the baby began to breathe. If that couple had come 10 minutes earlier or 10 minutes later, how different would that story have been? And yet, and yet, in his kindness, in his mercy, God arranged it just so 
that this couple got to be a part of delivering the healing power to families so deeply in need. And what if? What if he could do the same in your life? What if he wants to use you to deliver that kind of healing and hope in the life of another? Does this mean all the bad stuff in life will never happen to us if we follow Jesus? No, no. But Christmas is a reminder that Jesus has the power to heal. And he is coming again to heal every wound, to right every wrong, and to wipe every tear. And what if God wants to bring that kind of hope and healing to people in your life and to do the same for you? Jesus was a great teacher. Jesus had great power. And he was certainly a great healer. But perhaps the greatest thing of all that Jesus would be known for was his great, great love. In fact, that's why he came in the first place, right? For God so loved the what? World. Oh, so you know this teaching. Okay. (laughs) God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus came because of God's great love for you and for me. And one day when this child would grow up, he would tell us, he would describe to us what real love looks like. He said this, for greater love has no one than this, than that he would lay down his life for his friends. And when this child would grow up, this child born in a manger, he would grow up, he would do just that. You know, it's kind of funny, this question, what child is this? I'm pretty convinced that everyone in the, in the Christmas story was asking it. Mary was certainly asking it. Joseph was asking it. The shepherds, the wise. I think even King Herod was asking, what's this child, right? But the answer to that question in the scriptures, in the Bible, isn't ultimately given until the very, very end of Jesus' life. It would be on a dark night, not unlike the one he was born when a Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross would answer that question in a kind of finality that would ring out for the next 20 centuries. This Roman soldier who had been there when Jesus was arrested, falsely accused and hung on the cross, the Roman soldier who had watched as people came and and spit at him and mocked him and called him all kinds of names, the Roman soldier that knew that this man had the power but did not choose to use it to free himself from the cross, but instead to die, to reconcile you and me to God. This Roman soldier, when Jesus would breathe his last breath, would look up at Jesus with eyes of faith and he would declare the answer to the question. Surely this is the Son of God. And perhaps this Christmas... The most important thing that you and I could do, besides opening presents, besides singing carols, besides calling grandma, the most important thing that we could do is to ask ourselves that question. Have we answered it in our heart? For some of us, Jesus may be nothing more than a great teacher. For others, maybe we see him as a man of power and influence. But what if, what if, This child, born in a manger, really is the Son of God come to reconcile you and me to our Heavenly Father. And what if this Christmas you were to look up at him the same way that Roman soldier did and declare in faith, I believe, surely you are the Son of God.
Can we pray?